Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this morning. God, we just pray that your spirit would be um, here in this, in this gym. Lord, I pray over Ryan that uh, your words would be spoken, God, and that we would have ears to listen um, to what we, he has to say. Thank you for everything. We love you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in a series uh, about the parables that Jesus told. And Jesus told parables um, because he knew that it would be difficult for us to understand his kingdom. He knew that it would be difficult for us to understand what he's building on this earth, even as evil and darkness surround us, the eternal work that he's doing. And so we've been journeying through all of these uh, parables that we've looked at and, and trying to get the kingdom more. Trying to get it right in front of us more and more and more. And today Jesus uh, takes us out on the farm to teach us about the kingdom. He, he, he does this often. Um, and, and the reason why he does this is because there's some things that you can only learn on the farm. I have a few things that I have only learned on the farm as well. It could be from you know helping raise tobacco when I was growing up in Kentucky, or the time that I was uh, invited out on the farm with one of my friends about six years ago. I'll briefly share that with you. Um, Megan and I became great friends with this couple, Zach and Chelsea. It was before we had planted the church. They were similar, you know, age and stage, and just so happened that her father had a like a kind of a hobby farm, but a pretty big like six, well, six hundred acres isn't really a hobby farm. It's a farm. Uh, south of Atlanta, and, and uh, you know, so we, we went down to the farm with them over a weekend. We were so stoked about it, and that's one of the things that, that Zach said. He said, you know, he, he's actually a doctor now. He was in medical school when I met him, but he said, you know, there's some things you can only learn on the farm, and so uh, we get out there, and he said, oh, by the way, uh, AJ, my father-in-law, is going to uh, ask you to help out around the farm on Saturday morning. It's just part of it, so I don't know what he'll have us do, but he'll have us do something at the farm. And so I was ready. I brought my boots, gloves. I thought, okay, we're probably going to feed the horses, the cows, you know, maybe sling some hay bales. If we're lucky, maybe chop some wood. I love doing that. Um, but AJ came to get Zach and I, and he looked uh, at us, and he said, today, boys, we have an interesting thing to do. We need to castrate a bull. And he looked at me, and he said, you're up. I was like, what? Like, you got to be kidding me. And I kid you not, I'll never forget this. About an hour later, it was done. And Zach was the man for the job because there are some things you can only learn on the farm. As we make this hard transition <laughs> into uh, Luke 15 today, um, I want us to, to really dig into this idea that Jesus has for us. What He teaches us about sheep what he teaches us about his role as a shepherd and what that means uh, for our lives. So the big idea of where we're going today is this. It's a pretty simple one. We will always be sheep in need of a shepherd. We will always be sheep 
in need of a shepherd. And, and the reason why I want to really emphasize this is I think that th- there's this idea that we kind of get some kind of escalated maturity where we no longer need Jesus as much as we did the further that we get down the tracks with Jesus, the more that we walk with Him. But what, what I want you to see is that we will always need a shepherd. That's why in, in heaven, things are so great because we're with Jesus all the time. We're, we're, we're right there with Him. That's what heaven is. It's where Jesus is, where His kingdom is. And so while we're still on this earth, we'll need a shepherd. And, and the reason is, and I'll just go ahead and tell you where I'm going with, with Luke 15 today. The first thing is this, is that we all have wandering spirituality. The second thing is this, Jesus constantly pursues His people as they wander. And the third thing is this, there's incomparable joy to be had when the lost are found. So so let's dig into this together. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, I'll remind you of it, but we're going to be in a few other passages today. We're going to be looking at uh, Psalm 23, John chapter 10, they all speak of shepherding and they all hit different angles of it for us this morning. So Luke 15, 1 and 2 gives the context of why Jesus tells this parable. And context is king. Here's what he says. Now, now Luke, Luke writes this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. So there's one group of people. Tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. That's another group of people. Saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So the context of why Jesus wants to tell this parable is to differentiate really who needs grace and who doesn't. And what you see is that they all do, but only one group really receives it. The, the, the sheep that knew they were lost were these sinners and tax collectors that they finally saw this rabbi, this, this, uh, you know, this up and coming, what it seemed to be a Messiah, was seeing them for who they are. They were, they were in front of him. They, he knew their... their uh, their, their sins and their transgressions because they were so obvious. And He received them. And He ate with them. And He spent time with them. And He valued them. And then this other group of people uh, were, were the religious leaders of Jewish culture in that day, the Pharisees and the scribes. And they didn't see themselves as lost sheep. And, and when you go on and you read the entire seven or eight verses in Luke 15, the reason that they see that is, is that they are not rejoicing the same way that others are over the lost sheep of Israel. So, in order to get into this, we need to understand a little bit about sheep. I'm, I'm not going to take us out that far on the farm. I'm not going to bring a sheep in or anything like that. But, you know, I've never had sheep before. Maybe some of you had, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But we're going to look at Psalm 23 and pick up on some of the cues about the life of a shepherd and his sheep uh, together. Uh, and the writer of Psalm 23 was uh, the Holy Spirit via David. Now David uh, is described as a man after God's own heart. The king of Israel, um, the best king Israel ever saw. He had his flaws, but, but he was also a shepherd. One of the things that amazes me, as, as you read this, as we look at Psalm 23, one of the things that amazes me is that when David was anointed to be the next king, Saul was before him. When he was anointed to be the next king, here's how his role started out. He would take his, he would basically take his harp to King Saul, who was tormented in his mind. You can read this in 1 Samuel 16 and 17. And, and he, would, he would play for him, and it soothed Saul's soul. 
But David is the next king who's up and coming, and Saul doesn't know that yet. And we, we get that picture further as the, the battle between David and Goliath goes down. But the thing that strikes me about David's character is this, is 1 Samuel 17, 15. Uh, right before David feeds Goliath, there's this bizarre verse, and here's what it says. David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Even though David was the king, he was always a shepherd. And he happened to see God as his shepherd, the shepherd of his soul. Listen to Psalm 23. We're going to break it down and spend a little time in it to help us understand this parable of the lost sheep. Psalm 23, very familiar. And we always say this at New City, the danger with familiar verses is that they think that we think that God can't teach us new things with them. So I want to encourage you to open your minds and open your hearts to receive something new from the Lord today. Psalm 23, 1 starts out like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So get this, in David's strongest point of communion with the Lord, as a king, as a man after God's own heart, as a warrior, David still saw himself as a man in need of God. The strongest point in David's life was the neediest spiritual point in David's life. Don't miss that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he says. We all have this tendency as, as followers of Jesus, as people in this world, to grasp after things that we don't have. David knew that. I've experienced that just this week. Things that aren't in my control or, or possessions that I desire and I don't have. I'm grasping for, I'm striving after. They could be good things or they could be reckless things. But we have these hearts that wander. They grasp after things. For David, he saw that the only way to cure a grasping and striving heart was to know that the Lord was his shepherd. Because that was the only thing that would satisfy his soul. That was the only thing that would keep him from chasing after things that he didn't have. It's only in knowing who the Lord is that we will ever be satisfied. And we've got to see ourselves as those sheep in need of a shepherd. And that's what soothes our souls and gives us joy. He goes on to say this, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Basically what he's saying is this, the Lord doesn't assume anything about my ability to follow Him on my own. Now, so many times you get frustrated with yourself if you're anything like me because you assume that you should be able to do more in your own strength than you are actually capable of doing. Can I get an amen? Yeah, right? You, you think, you're like, why do I keep tripping over the same sin? Why did I do that again? Why did I say that again? I know better than that. It's because you're a sheep. That's it. You need constant attention. And he says the Lord is just that to us. He gives us that type of constant attention. He, he takes us to green pastures. Meaning, sheep would be in a, in a... The way I understand sheep anyway, I could be off here. But the way I understand it is that the sheep would be in a field, a green field. They would eat and eat and eat and eat. And then, you know, when you eat and eat and eat and eat, something happens. And if they just stayed in that field, they would start eating the things that were happening in that field. So they had, the shepherd had to move them to, to different fields because they were not smart enough to know what to eat and what not to eat. He assumes nothing about our ability to get it on our own. He, 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 he leads us beside still waters. I mean, so sheep were not afraid of rushing, you know, 
rivers and and raging waters. In other words, He saves us from ourselves. We're not afraid of the things that we should be afraid of sometimes, church. Sometimes we just tiptoe as close as we can to the line thinking there'll be no harm in it. Whatever the sin you're dabbling in is. But the shepherd... He uses that little tool. He's got that little, the staff that he's got with that little, the, the, the hook on it. And he brings us back into line. He brings us back to himself because we don't know what's best for ourselves. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. That's why, that's why David would go back to the sheep. There was no one to care for the sheep. He knew that they would be hopelessly lost without a shepherd. The Scriptures go on to say in, in verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me we just talked about that but the 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 shepherd sees me through darkness you know the times in your life where where it's absolutely required that you have faith to move on in life the times where you it's not even he shows you the next step there are there's no path it's the shepherd that leads you through those seasons when someone looks at your life because of a circumstance that you're going through and and they think man I'm so sorry, I don't know how you're doing it. And you simply respond by, I don't either. Right? You've been in those moments and those seasons of your life. It's the shepherd that is leading you by faith. You're trusting in his ability to lead you instead of your own ability to figure it out. We're needy. You know, the, the weapons of his care to protect us from others, the, the rod and the staff, sometimes we need correction, sometimes we need salvation. We need to be saved, rescued from whatever it is we're about, and here's the key, to get ourselves into. The sheep's worst enemy was himself. And the shepherd knew just that. He goes on to say this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So, so what he's saying here is that the shepherd's presence with the sheep is a feast that does not end. Think about it. Have you ever had a moment where you've just been lingering around the table with good friends? Nobody, you know, you've got such good friends that you forget to pick up your phone. You know what I'm talking about? You've been in those moments around those meals where you just have that time together. That's what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord, to be around the table with Him, to be in His presence. And it doesn't matter what's surrounding you. You're out in the middle of the field, the, the wolf, the lion, they're, they're, they're out just ready to devour you, but they won't touch you because the shepherd's with you. That's how good it is to be known by the good shepherd. And lastly, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So for David and for us, the Lord follows and leads us all the days of our life when we see Him as our shepherd. And so as we dig into this today and we think about this, this uh, you know, farm life that gives us this great spiritual metaphor, I want us to look right now at how our hearts wander. Because we, as I said earlier, we tend to equate spiritual progress with spiritual independency. The further along we are with Jesus, the less we really need Him. The less we have to repent, the less we sin. That's what we think. But really what happens is, is the more you become aware. And we see that from David's life. Because as he progressed in life and as he wrote that 23rd Psalm, I mean, we don't know the exact dating of the 23rd Psalm, but he was in a really sweet place with the Lord and with people. And he wrote about his neediness of God in those moments. 
But, but to get beyond the need to be shepherded is to wander astray. That's why King David says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and I think this is akin to what the scribes and the Pharisees assumed about themselves. And listen, we've all got a little Pharisee in us too. I don't, I don't care who your mom and dad are. We've got a little f- spiritual Pharisee in us where we think we're a little further along. It, and, and it comes out most times whenever we see someone who sins differently than we do. And we think, come on, don't they know better? And what that reveals about us is that we don't need the shepherd quite as much as they do. And the Scriptures would warn us if that's the case. This is the whole reason Jesus told this parable was for people who thought they were above needing a shepherd. And so this morning, I just want you to consider this as kind of a point of application. Are you aware of how your heart wanders? Think about that for a second. We all wander spiritually away from the shepherd as sheep. And we're entrusting our souls that, that, and we're hoping that Jesus is better finding, at finding us than we are at getting lost. But how does your heart wander? Where, where are your sinful proclivities to leave the Lord? To leave the fold? To leave the flock? Like sheep that get too close to a swift river. Are you in a place where you may be playing with fire right now? You're just hoping you're not going to get burned, but you're, you're just toying around with sin? Are you, are you tiptoeing with a relationship that, that doesn't honor God? Maybe, maybe you're, you know, honestly, you're flirting with somebody at work and you just really have no business doing it. Or maybe you're dating someone who's not equally yoked with you. Maybe they're, they're kind of maybe ish a believer and you are. And you're thinking, well, maybe that'll change over time. Or maybe you're stretching yourself financially and you're living outside of your your means and you're your causing just undue stress in your life, in your marriage, in your, in your family, in your relationships. And it's, it's just causing you to cut corners because you're trying to be in a place where you're not currently at. It's, it's keeping you from living generously. Are you harboring bitterness in your heart toward others and maybe avoiding relationships that the Holy Spirit really wants to flood light into? You're just wandering away from the fold. You're you're leaving the shepherd. Where are you on this spectrum this morning? How do you wonder? Because when we become aware and God opens our eyes to see how we are tempted to wander away from Him, the Holy Spirit, I think, makes us more aware of how Jesus is pursuing us. You see, when we're not aware of how we're running from God, when God meets us in unexpected ways like He does when He's building His kingdom, He always does, we mistake it for something else. So that was just coincidence. Now it was the Lord meeting you in the midst of your wondering. Because He is so committed to us to bring us back home. So let's just keep looking at this parable here. So we all wander away from the shepherd. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Jesus constantly pursues His people as the good shepherd. Let's, let's uh, dig back into Luke 15 here. So we talked about the the scribes and the Pharisees and the sinners and the tax collectors and how Jesus told this parable because the the Pharisees and the scribes were scrutinizing Jesus for dining with the sinners and the tax collectors. Jesus said, I've got to show you something about yourselves. And so He shares this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost just one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that he has lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, 
He lays it on His shoulders, rejoicing. Jesus is telling this parable to these mature Jews of the day, the ones who disdain these new believers that were, that were coming in, who really had nothing to prove about their relationship with God. You know, that's the danger for us that have been around the church for a while, is, is we think, um, we've kind of looked down our nose at maybe new people that might come to the faith whose lives are really still a mess. They just know Jesus in their mess now, you know? And somehow we, we, we're tempted to think that there's a better mess to have than the one that they have. And Jesus tells us this parable so that we don't get there. And I hope New City Church, which is, a, which is an incredible you know, uh, culture of grace in this church, I hope we, that's never us. Um, I pray that God uh, humbles us and keeps us in this place. But what we notice about Jesus' pursuit of lost people as He identifies Himself as the shepherd going after the lost sheep here, what we notice is this, is two things. Is that His pursuit of lost people is radical and it is sacrificial. So let's dig into that. Let's look at this radical pursuit of Jesus here. So think about this. The shepherd has a hundred sheep. That seems like a lot of sheep. I don't know. Maybe it's not. It's a lot of sheep. A lot of people. A lot of, a lot of things to keep up with, right? Not, you know, so with his flock of sheep here, um, it, it, if I'm honest, it seems reckless to leave 99 and go after one. I mean, if, if I'm doing the math here, I'm thinking, well, we've got a hundred. I mean, still 99%. That's pretty good in school, right? So, you know, we're good here. That's not how Jesus rolls, though. Jesus, He leaves them all behind. And, and I don't think the point is, um, you know, I, I don't think the point is, you know, don't get lost. I think it's Jesus is just that good at finding sheep. He's just that good at finding the lost that belong to Him. Maybe those 99 would just stay there. I don't think they would, though. I mean, if they need a shepherd with them all the time, they get a little free time, they're gone, right? The point is that Jesus is so good at finding sheep that it doesn't matter where we go. That's, that's the thing that He shares with them in this parable, the radical thing about it. And, and as Christians, this is the reality of the Gospel for us, is that Jesus, it's almost like this individual salvation project that Jesus has come after just for you. You see, because the, the nature of the Gospel is corporate. He, you know, he, he came for sinners all over the world, but He also pursues us individually. He knows you by name. He knows how you wander even if you don't know how you wander. And He calls after us and He chases us down as the hound of heaven as Charles Spurgeon used to call it. And He finds us and He brings us back home. It's just what Jesus does. And His pursuit of you and me is that radical church. Some of you know that. Some of you have been hunted down in your worst moments and Jesus found you. Others of you may be running right now and Jesus is finding you as I'm preaching right now. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I, I can recall some moments in my life. When I was 17 years old, I'd, you know, I had, had um, just had a, a terrible week. And um, I remember driving over the Tyrone Bridge in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, and I paused in the middle of the bridge and I wondered if anyone would miss me. And Jesus met me right there. Before I could even let my mind go any further, He met me or... That day in seventh grade when, when all of my friends kind of went their own ways and I found myself lonely, Jesus met me. Or that moment that my wife was diagnosed with a, a disease, Jesus met me in my struggle. He found me. Has Jesus found you? Can you, can you re recall and remember the ways that Jesus has been finding you? Are you aware of it? Are you aware of how He wants to bring you home? 
It's interesting that this parable talks about repentance. Because I tend to think about uh, repentance um, as this kind of cooperation with the Holy Spirit where Jesus makes our hearts alive through faith. He gives us a new heart. He regenerates us. And He does that so that we can, step one, forsake sin. Step two, follow God. That's typically what you think about with repentance. But here, Jesus defines repentance differently. It's that, that Greek word metanoia, which typically means what I just described. But here, Jesus uses that word to talk about His one-way pursuit of lost sinners. That's so interesting to think about it that way. That God's radical commitment to finding us, to bringing us home when we can't bring ourselves home. So I would say this, if you ever get to a place in your life where you're willing to confess your sin and turn and follow Jesus, it's because Jesus has come to find you first. You didn't even know you were hiding and He found you, right? It's what Jesus does. Anytime that our hearts are softened toward the Lord and we're open to Him, we're not just indifferent to spiritual things, Jesus has found us. He's given us a new heart. A heart that's able to turn and to receive His love. To let Him carry us back to the fold. I love what J.I. Packer says in his, his work, uh, Knowing God. He says this, and this is true of God's one-way love toward us. Your faith will not fail while God sustains it. You are not strong enough to fall away while God, while God is resolved to hold you. In other words, when the shepherd picks you up, you can't get out of his hands. His love is that radical. It's that Strong, And it's Jesus' pursuit of finding lost sheep that ultimately, where He ultimately ended up on a Roman cross. You see, He followed the lost sheep of Israel all the way to the cross. And it's at the cross where Jesus lays down His life for the lost sheep of Israel, the ones that are even killing Him that day, putting Him on the cross, so that the sheep that are not yet in that fold could be found, as John 10 says. That's what the Gospel is. The fact that Jesus would, would lose His life and sacrifice His life all the way to the very end so that you and I could feel the Father's joy in our life of being found children of Jesus. Found children of the Father. That, that pursuit is sacrificial. No, notice what the, the shepherd uh, Jesus does when He finds the lost sheep. He doesn't pull out His rod and start beating that thing, does He? No. He doesn't chain a leash to it and start dragging it back up the mountain. Come on, get out of here. we got to go. That's not what He does. Instead, He is so tender when He finds that lost sheep. He's been looking tirelessly. He's exhausted. You know who's even more exhausted? That lost sheep. He knows that that sheep, there's no way that they can make it back up on the mountain where the pasture is. He's tired. You know why? Because getting lost is, is wearisome, isn't it? It's tiresome. It makes us exhausted. When we run from God, it's an exhausting work. Jesus knows that about you, church. He knows that when you wonder that you are not in your best place and you don't have the strength to follow Him. And so the Good Shepherd leans down and He picks you up and puts, puts you on His shoulders and He carries you back to the fold so that you can live in fellowship with your Father in Heaven through the work of Jesus Christ. And He's so tender with us Listen to Luke chapter 10 where, where um, Jesus says this. He says, Come to Me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus meets us and we finally turn and surrender to Him, what's He give us? Rest. Church, that's what we need this morning is rest in His care. Because it is tiresome. It is grueling to wander away from the Lord. And He knows that about us. And that's why He gives us every single thing that we need. John 10, where Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the good shepherd. I want to I flip over there and just quickly look at this. As it has some great things that, that we can't unpack all of them, but we can lean into them a little bit. John 10, 7-16, Jesus uh, says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he's, he's talking about His people as the sheep and Himself as the shepherd. He says, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before Me are thieves and robbers. And, and the way that it worked back in that day is a shepherd would try to find kind of a three-sided kind of place to keep the sheep. And the shepherd would lay down in front of the door. And that's why Jesus says, I'm the door. And he would, he would lay down, and it was kind of like the initial, you know how we say, like, if you want, like when I had, I had, a, I had a, a buddy of mine that was uh, uh, my age, and he was getting picked on on the kickball field in fifth grade, and, and, uh, and I made the mistake of saying, if you want to get to him, you got to get through me, you know? And uh, I was this puny little kid, and, and I, I got beat up. But anyway, uh, that, that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. If you want to get to them, you got to get through me. That's what the shepherd would do. He would lay down his life. He would literally lay down in front. He would be the door. He'd be the gate. If, he was in, if this was a cave back here, he'd be laying down. The only door, you, ha you have to get through the shepherd. And so that would be the way that he would protect his sheep. And he says, you know, if, if you've got in any other way, you're a thief and you're a robber. All you, all you want is to steal, to kill, and destroy. He'll say that in John 10 as well. We'll read that in a second. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Right? That's what we find when we see Jesus as our good shepherd. Let's keep reading. He says, uh, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Because the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, we, can, we can talk about the enemy being circumstances or being things that frustrate us in life. But church, the enemy here is the devil himself. He has come for one purpose in your life. He's the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. He has come to destroy your life. He has come to take you out of the fold. And, and wandering, the initial wandering is how he gets you out. But Jesus has come to find us. Listen to what he goes on to say. He says, I'm the good shepherd. Because... Not all shepherds are good shepherds. He says, but I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In other words, you want to know if you've got a good shepherd? He sacrifices himself. That's the one quality for a good shepherd. That's why you see David mimicking Jesus, going back, even though he was playing the harp for Saul, he's going back to tend the sheep because he was a good shepherd under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, they're not his, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep, and he flees because he cares more about his own life than the lives of the sheep. He's not sacrificial. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own, they know me. 
Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock, one shepherd. And so Jesus shares this with them to tell them that the kingdom is going to expand. It's going to be different. And what you see about the shepherd and his relationship to the sheep is, is one that he's sacrificial, as, as we're talking about, but, but also he stays till the end. He stays until the job is done. There's no one in our lives that could be so lost that Jesus couldn't find them if they belonged to Him. That's what He's saying. So if you're in here today and you're running, Jesus will find you. I don't know what the uh, collateral damage will be, but He will find you. I promise. Because He loses, as John 6 says, nothing that belongs to Him. You see how the shepherd sees us as, as the children of God, as, as property to be cared for. He sees us as, as His very own. In the hired hand though, it runs when it sees the enemy because it's afraid of losing its own life. But Jesus is the one that gave Himself fully so that we could belong to the family of God. And that's the joy of knowing Jesus. And so I hope this morning as you're hearing this, that your heart is being enlarged. Your affections for God are being enlarged as you think about what Jesus has actually done for you and what He is committed to doing for your soul for as long as you live. He's committed to keeping us. And I also want you to think about those lost sheep that you know. Think about those, those, those folks that are just running from God right now. And how God might want to use you in their lives to help bring them back into the fold. And I, and I, just, I just want to give an aside here too, just, just because I think it fits here. Um, what, what is the predominant way that Jesus shepherds His flock today? Now that He's in heaven and the Holy Spirit's here with us. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. How does He shepherd His flock? Through the church. Through the church. Listen to Acts chapter 20. This is, you know, Luke is, is, is recording what's going on. Paul, Paul's encouraging the Ephesian elders, I think, on the, uh, on the beach there. And here's what he says to them in Acts 20 28. He's, keep in mind, he's charging the elders of the church in, in Ephesus. He says this Pay careful attention to yourselves into all the flock. There's that language of sheep. Pay careful attention to yourselves, elders, under-shepherds, pastors, and to all the sheep in which the Holy Spirit, not yourself, not your gifts, not your ability to preach, play music, or whatever it is, the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer, an under-shepherd, a pastor of this flock to care for the church of God which He obtained with His own blood. Now church, there is a movement of free-range Christianity in our culture today. There's a movement that says it's just me and Jesus. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to listen to my podcast. And, and I'm just going to follow God. Unfortunately, this is not the Christianity of the Bible. Fortunately, actually. It's not, it's not the Christianity of the Bible. Because my, what I'm terrified of is, is the culture of shepherdless sheep that we have. Now there is nothing special about myself or the other five elders of this church. More than that, including the teaching elders that are part of this. But there's nothing special about us. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced I'm more broken than most of you, okay? But the thing is, is that it's not my gifts or my obedience or my way to, to, to knock it out of the park or any of these other men that are shepherds of the sheep here at New City Church, but it is the call of the Holy Spirit on our lives to care for the flock of God that matters. 
And, and my prayer for us is that we might see a shift in this culture here in Gwinnett County where, where we submit ourselves to the leadership of the church, not because those guys are going to always get it right, but because Jesus says so. Because that's how He cares for his sheep. Now, I'm not the good shepherd. None of these other guys are the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. But He calls us to serve the sheep and to give an account with our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God here where He's called us today. And so my, my challenge for you today is, is that if you lean toward that type of shepherdless Christianity, you lean toward that, that free-range Christianity that says, I'm not going to give an account of anything to anyone. And you think that you're going to be able to keep yourself in the fold doing that. I want to challenge you to reconsider that today. Because I've never met someone who was running far from God say, you know what, I think I'm going to join a church now. No. What happens is, is, is it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Jesus find you, finds you, but there's all of this damage that happens. But part of our call as shepherds of the sheep, as the elders of this church, is to help be in your life, to help shepherd you with the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what God has called us to and we're going to have to give an account for that. And we don't take that lightly. So, uh, so just to, as we land the plane here on the last point, just a, a few application considerations about this. The pursuit of Jesus or the sheep. How is the Holy Spirit prompting you to respond to the radical and sacrificial pursuit of the Good Shepherd this morning? Maybe you need to see it how much Jesus is loving you. Maybe you need to become more aware of the ways that He's been pursuing you that you haven't been aware of. Maybe you need to let the Gospel, the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus for lost souls, more deeply penetrate your mind and your heart this morning and surrender to His plan for your life. Maybe you need to take a step toward committing yourself toward a local church. If it's not this church, find another one. Submit yourself to the, the shepherds, the under-shepherds of the flock. Lastly, as we land the plane here with, with Luke 15 and the, the parable of the lost sheep, we notice this. Not only are we all prone to wandering as we sang in Come Thou Found in point one, or not only is Jesus really good at finding and pursuing the lost sheep, the children of God, but this. There's incomparable joy to be had when the lost are found. Incomparable joy. Listen to... Listen to all the joy that is taking place in Luke 15 when the lost sheep is found, when the lost child of God is found. He says, when the, when the shepherd, when he comes home, he, he, uh, he calls, uh, well, in verse 6 it says, or verse 5, it, it says that he, that, he, that he finds the sheep and he rejoices. And in verse 6 he goes on to say this, and when he comes home, he's got it on his shoulders, he's, the shepherd's doing his thing, and he calls together his friends and neighbors. Like he's at the gate, he's like, "Hey, y'all, you got to come out. We're about to party. This is going to be great." He calls them all together, and he says, "Rejoice!" Or, in other words, have joy again. Rejoice. Have joy again with me. With me. Share in my joy, community, family around me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. So I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who think they need no repentance. So Jesus tells this parable because of joy. He is so interested in pursuing joy Himself. And there's nothing that makes the Father happier than when the children of God are found. In fact, Jesus says this, whole purpose He came? Seek and save the lost. That's what he said. 
It's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. He was coming after the lost children of God and there's nothing that gives Him more joy than to find us. Joy is everywhere. Joy is in the shepherd. Listen to this. The shepherd has done uh, what he was made to do. He was made to find sheep and to keep sheep. Well, it, was, it was like when he found that sheep that you know, he probably lost the 99 at some point too at different times. But there was so much joy that he had when he found what was lost because it belonged to him. He was returning it to where it was made to flourish in the fold, in the family of God. There's so much joy that Jesus finds in finding us. So much joy. Listen to what Hebrews 12 says here. It says, Therefore, since we've surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely all the ways that we wander. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, listen to this, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the joy of the Father was to send His Son to be torn asunder, to be torn into pieces so that we could be found. Isaiah 53. He was like a sheep that was silent before its shearers. Despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. This is Jesus. And He considered all of that for you so that you could be found. He considered that joy so that you could be found. It's not only joy in Jesus as the Good Shepherd in finding us when we come home to Him. He's not mad at us. He's not frustrated with us. He picks us up and He brings us back into the family of God. Not only joy in Him, but joy in the community. So there's this party that's waiting for the shepherd when he gets back and he calls them together because what was lost is now found. It doesn't matter where they ran. It doesn't matter what they did. We see this in the parable of the prodigal son as well. The father is so thrilled that he's found his son that he, he sacrifices it all and he throws the party of a lifetime because his lost son is found. We get to share in that joy as a community. New City, whenever the lost sheep are found, whenever people that have wandered from God, whether they're members of our church and they come back home, there ought to be joy. Whether it's someone who's never walked with God and they come into the family of God, joy. And you know what? We as people pursue joy. We pursue what makes us feel good. We pursue what makes us happy. And if joy for the lost sheep of Israel is not part of our priority, Something has gone wrong in our souls. Amen? Something's gone wrong. You've not, we've been talking a lot about this this year as a church, but if we really believed in this joy, we would spend a lot of time pursuing the lost. Because it's the thing that makes us feel most alive. And we as a church, as a community, would find so much joy in seeing the lost be found together. and We'd celebrate. And we'd do that well. I, as your pastor, though, just, I just long for more. For more joy as the lost are found. And, and, and lastly, joy doesn't stop with the shepherd. It doesn't stop with the community. But there's joy in the heavens, the Scriptures say. Uh, the joy that the, 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 the shepherd and the, and, the, and the community have is the beginning. But the joy in the heavens is this resounding uh, just for lack of a better term, joy that, that, that all of heaven resounds with and reverberates with because the lost children of God are found. And so whenever we participate 
with God on His mission, we see the lost found joys everywhere. Unstoppable, incomparable joy. And, and we, as the children of God, get to participate with Jesus on His mission of finding the lost sheep. I just want to close with this quote from Francis Schaeffer. As you think about, maybe you think about who is your one. You know? Who's, who's God calling you to go after? If, if His Spirit has empowered us and, 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 and Jesus has sent us into the world, who's He sending us to? Listen to how Francis Schaeffer describes this. He says, we must remember throughout our lives that in God's sight there are no little people, no little places. You may, you may think, Ryan, I don't have the gifts. I don't have the skills. No one would follow me. No one would listen to me if I told them about Jesus. He says, there's no little people. There's no little places. None of that matters. Only one thing is important to be consecrated persons in God's place for us at each moment. Those who think of themselves as little people in little places if committed to Christ and living under His Lordship in the whole of life, may, by God's grace, let me if you believe this, change the flow of a generation. And we, we get on a bit in our lives knowing how weak we are, how much we need a shepherd. If we look back and we see we have somewhat been used of God, then we should be surprised by joy. I just pray that this church would just be so surprised by joy as we see God work in our midst. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we come to You today as, uh, as Your children. And um, we thank You um, that Your pursuit of us has been radical and even seemingly reckless because You are that impassioned about reclaiming what is Yours. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Father, as we think about the sacrifice of Your heart to give Your Son so that the lost could be found, God, would You renew our strength and renew our joy this morning? Would You, would you just wash over us, Your Spirit wash over us in a fresh way today as we think about Your work on our behalf for our joy and our good in the advancement of the Kingdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.